All right, Woodchuck Chuckers. Quote from one of my favorite movies, <clears throat> Groundhog Day. It's a classic. This is Larry Morrison, your financial shaman. Coming to you back live again. Not live. Semi-live. From Sedona, Arizona. I'm out for a hike. You hear heavy breathing. That is why. <sighs> okay. So, who am I? What am I doing? I love how it's always different every time. It's similar, but always different. I am someone who firmly believes that fixing the inner world, the inner belief systems, will fix the outer world. What I mean by that is, if you have beliefs that are blocking money from coming to you, we unblock those beliefs, we change and feel, fix and heal those beliefs, the outside world will change around you. Okay? Let me give you an example. So if you come across somebody who has $2,000 worth of income per month and is struggling to pay bills every month, um, you know, they're constantly in fear, stress, and worry that they're not going to be able to make it. And um, they're always in a, a knot over their finances. Always worried, not being able to save, not being able to do anything. Then you come across somebody who makes $10,000 a month and is in the same exact position, living paycheck to paycheck, taking out payday loans, living on credit cards, constantly in the red, right? <sighs> Struggling to survive. Now, from the outside looking in, what most financial professionals will tell you is that's a simple budgeting problem. I disagree. That's on the surface. That's the outer world. Right? Each of those two people have the same problem. They have a belief inside of them that to struggle is to exist. You got to work hard for money. That there's never enough. And therefore, that's the reality they experience regardless of the number in the account. Because I could tell you another story. Well, I've met people living on $500 a day that are completely happy. Blissed out and have abundance in their life. You say, how is someone living on $500 have abundance? It's not about the figure. Remember that. It's not the number. It's the frequency. They have, they have everything they need provided for them. They work some, yes, but they live. Full out, full on. Spend time with their kids, play, surf, was the guy I met. They live a full life on seemingly very little, but abundance because they have everything they need all of the time. And they don't struggle. We're not meant to struggle. Struggle comes from a belief that you have to. This is one of the major fucking lies of this world, possibly the biggest one. That to suffer is how you earn anything. Earning things. To suffer is how you become great at something. What a bunch of bullshit. Challenges, maybe, but suffering, no. Struggle, no. Nothing in this universe struggles but humans. Why is that? Because we're the only ones with these goddamn brains that say we have to. 
No pain without gain. What a, or no gain without pain. What a bunch of bullshit. Okay. So that's who I am. <laughs> and I'm, if you can't tell, I'm on one today, man. I am energized. I feel good. Got a good night's rest. Drank tons of water. Woke up and wrote for like three hours. Always have more energy when I'm doing what I love to do. And what I was writing about mostly is what I'm going to talk about today. Because I have so many ideas that I'm, I'm going to have to condense them and whittle them down so it fits into a chapter of a book. Like right now, my writing is I'm, I'm writing too much. I have so much to say. So that's hence why I'm switching formats and coming here. So guess what we're going to talk about today? Well, you don't have to guess because I'm probably going to put it in the description. Debt. D-E-B, D-E-B, that's such a weird thing. D-E-B-T, debt. But I already want to go off on how the fuck did they spell it that way. Anyway, debit, debt. Anyway, like it couldn't have been D-E-T. So, uh, okay. Where do we start? You see, I've spent 10 years in the financial world. 20 years in the business and entrepreneurship world, because, you know, two of those overlapped, right? The last decade was in finance, but it's also in business and entrepreneurship at the same time, because I was, I built a business based in finance. And so, point of that is, to come to this last six years, in the, I, no, six, six, I think I just hit six in September. Going on seven now, but since I'm changing to this, it won't be much longer. But anyway, that's another story. Um, spent six years of the ten years in my finance world, in the finance world, in the debt arena. <sighs> Good old DEBT. Debt. Where should we begin? Should we begin at the beginning? Or should we begin at the most tightly held belief around debt? <sighs> Let's go with the belief. The most tightly held belief around debt is that you got to get rid of it. <sighs> debt. People think debt, to have debt, uh, is bad and that you're a bad person if you have it. Basically, the, the common belief is that a good person always pays their debts, and so if you have debt, you're a bad person. Basically. Okay. So, what happens then when you have that belief is that you bring self-judgment within you. I don't know why I keep looking down. My feet will be fine. This scenery is ridiculously gorgeous. I should definitely do one of these about attachment because I'm getting attached to this area where I'm at. And attachment stops us from living in the now. But anyway. Um, um, where was I? Debt. So we bring the shame along with debt. We're ashamed of debt because we're ashamed of ourselves because no good person has debt. It's like being in the negative, right? It's like being in a hole. That's what most people think. That's what most people feel. That's how they attribute 
the vibration of debt is not only scarcity, but mostly shame. Vibration is simply what I mean by that is, or frequency is the same kind of thing. It's the dominant emotion you have around something. So to say, um, uh, the vibration of relationships for some people is fear or attachment because to lose that thing is to lose happiness, right? So the vibration, the dominant vibration of love relationships for a lot of people is fear and attachment and, and worry and codependency. So the vibration, the dominant feeling around debt is that of shame. Guilt can be in, kind of interchangeably put in there. Uh, you know, I've heard, if you read or listen to Brene Brown, she has some great explanations. I'm going to whittle it down or say it like this. Um, to me, guilt is in the past. Now, it's not to say you can't, you, you can't be guilty for something that's going to happen in the future. You kind of can, but that's why these blends so weird. We're going to you got to find your own definition, but if you just want to follow me as I speak about it, this is how I say it. So guilt is in the past. Fuck. It's awesome. Um, guilt is in the past. Sorry. There we go. It's just the, the scenery. Is, uh, I just I feel like I'm in... Like these mountains are just gods and I'm at their altar, kind of. Um, Sedona, if you never get a chance, or if you get a chance, please come visit. Um, okay, so guilt is in the past. What I mean by that is guilt is the, the feeling of um, not good enough or I could have done better focused on a past event, right? So if you're guilty about something, it's usually in the past. Now, to say, like, there's other ways to look at guilt and all that shit, but for now, let's just say guilt is in the past, and it means you could have done better, right? Um, but the thing is, with that, you can only say that from your current vantage point. Because usually, like, I'll give you an example. Um, I feel guilty about something that just happened recently because I told someone something, they remembered it correctly, I remembered it wrong, and took action based on that wrong thing. And now I feel bad because I now know the truth. That's guilt, right? I could have done better, but at the time I only had, I didn't remember, I didn't, I didn't know, right? I can, you can only do the best with the information you have at the time. Oh, but now it comes to me that I could correct it. Shit. <laughs> well, let's, thank you. Hmm, damn it, I'm dwelling on it now. I could, t I could totally correct it now that I know the, the issue, the truth. I didn't even think about that. Thank you, universe. Okay, and shame, by contrast, is in the now. It's bringing that vibration of, I shouldn't be doing this now. I shouldn't be feeling this way now. 
I shouldn't be thinking these thoughts now. I should be better now. That's shame. I am not good enough right now. Unworthiness similar. That's shame. Right? I'm not good enough right here, right now. And so when it comes to money, debt almost almost instantly brings people shame. Because they think they should have done better than maybe they should have saved, they should have done things differently. And so, excuse me. Uh, excuse me. And so they blame themselves that they're not good enough right now because they have debt. Okay? So that's the dominant vibration of debt. Now, there's a couple of ways we can get out of this thing. Let's just start with some basic stuff, basic understandings when it comes to debt. Ah, I forgot that thing, but I'm not feeling guilty about it or ashamed. It is what it is, and I'll deal with it. Sorry, I'm hung up on this thing that just popped into my brain about something I'm guilty about. Okay, I can fix it though. I was actually just thinking about how to fix it. Sorry about that. Um, okay, so there's a couple of different ways we can get around the shame that comes in associated with debt. Because let's first of all examine the problem. A dominant vibration, if you feel shame more of the time, guess what? You're going to feel more shame more of the time. What do I mean by that? So if you feel shame, you're going to have more things to be ashamed of, right? Because you're going to look at everything through those lenses. You're going to feel not good enough more and more of the time because you're getting used to the feeling, right? So like... If you are beating yourself up about something and feeling not good enough, you're going to get used to that. And so you're going to see everything through that lens. Like, oh, now I'm not good enough to date anybody. Now I'm not good enough to, um, uh, do this job or, you know, get a raise or get a, a promotion. I'm not good enough to strike out on my own and figure things out, right? I'm not good enough to start that business that I always dreamed of or go in that direction that I'm always... Because you have that dominant vibration of not good enough. You're used to it. So you start to see it. It's like a lens through which you see the world after a while. Okay. So, this place... stand there and talk because holy fuck um i need to do a panoramic okay so 
how do you first understand not to bring the vibration of shame inside of you or have it be your dominant emotion around debt? Well, before I go that far, the other problem of getting used to shame and seeing through that lens is that it clouds your judgment. What I mean by that is we don't like the feeling. It's a negative emotion. So even though I'm saying that you can get used to it, it's very difficult and you don't want to. So naturally, there's a couple of things that happen. One, you cloud your judgment and you think if I get rid of the thing that's causing the shame, then I won't feel that feeling anymore. So when we, I talked about this when I talked about financial traumas, but um, the defense mechanisms we have are very fascinating, right? So when you feel the shame of debt, there's a couple of different defense mechanisms that are mostly used in all my time in the, the debt world that I've seen. One, first def defense mechanism is to fix, right? To fix it means I'm gonna do everything in my power to escape this debt and pay it off as fast as possible, possibly even take out a, you know, roll it into a mortgage or something like that, even though that's just moving debt. But some people don't see it that way. So, you know, they're gonna get a second job, they're gonna do this, this, and this to get rid of this debt so they don't have to feel the shame. It's called fixing, right? You're gonna fix the outside world so that the inner world feels better. This is terrible possibly the worst way to go about it and yet everybody in the financial world seems to think it's the best way oh once because what you're saying is once you're out of debt then life will be better your life will be fulfilled and happy and champagne will fall from the fucking heavens when i'm out of debt everybody's striving to be liquid debt free what a bunch of bullshit. When you understand debt, there's no way in the fucking world you would want to be debt free. But I'll get there. We'll get there. So people want to fix the outside world so that their inner world feels better. And it clouds their judgment. The next defense mechanism Clouds their judgment a lot, in fact, because once you understand debt and investing, you understand how terrible of an idea it is to pay off your debt fast. <clears throat> but you don't know that because you're seeing through the lens of shame. You can't see anything else except how to get rid of this pain. Okay, the next defense mechanism that is used all over the world when it comes to any negative emotion, but debt in particular has a very fascinating one, blaming. The way to shift this shame feeling off of yourself is to blame another person for this problem. What do I mean by that? 
These credit card companies are charging too much interest. It's their fault that I'm in this mess. The student loan industry, <laughs> which <laughs> I am one of the leading experts in the country at, that's no bullshit, you can look that up. Um, that's where I've spent my time for the past six years is in the student loan industry. There is no one you'll ever talk to that knows more about it than me, but I'm happy to be giving up my throne to my right-hand person and taking on this mantle of a financial shaman. But anyway, the student loan debt world, it's super easy to blame the government for lending with an ungodly amount of interest because the interest that runs behind student loan debt is different than any other type of interest. It's called simplified daily interest. It also has the ability to compound through an instrument called capitalization. What that all means is student loan debt interest is the most aggressive interest there is in the financial world. So it's very easy to blame the lender, being the US government, that they are the cause of the student loan fiasco. But at the same time, if they didn't lend, how would we have an educated workforce? It's not easy to blame them. I mean, it's easy to blame them until you see the whole thing. It's also easy to blame the colleges. How do they keep charging so much fucking money to give people knowledge? At the same time, again, easy to blame them, but they're a bunch of academics. They don't know anything about business. Trust me, I know. I sit on financial boards for colleges. The people running the colleges don't know anything about money. They do not. I don't care what you say. They look to finance people like myself to understand it. They do not know what's going on. Um, so, easy to blame though. But then there's people on the other side who blame the borrower. Nobody put a gun to your head to take out those credit cards to spend that money, to get that medical bill, right? To take on that student loan. People love to blame the borrower especially the lenders. But until you've done both, been a lender and a borrower, you can't really see the whole picture. I've done both. It's, it, anyway, I'll get there. Okay. So that's the other defense mechanism is blame, um, which is a way to escape the problem of shame. Now, What's the most positive way to handle the shame part? Gratitude. Gratitude is always the best way. Here's what I mean. People instantly forget when they have debt that someone lent them money for something, typically, unless you just like have that old... Um, Japanese and Chinese, I think it's mostly Chinese, but I think Japanese do it too. That old thing where you like owe a, a, a debt to your parents for having you, like that's not, I mean, you can be grateful for that, but like, come on, like you were born. I mean, if you didn't choose that, I, I mean, maybe you did. We don't know because we wiped our memories before we got here. But anyway, um, if we did, you know, uh, whatever you believe. So like, point is, uh, I am totally off the trail. Point is to be grateful for what the debt was for. 
Because before you go to blame, which is super easy to do, or beating yourself up, which is bringing that shame inside of you, or escaping through drugs and alcohol or whatever, look at, can you be grateful for a second for what was given to you? If you have a student loan, can you be grateful for a second that you went to college, got an education? Even though that sometimes, and a lot of times, 73% of all college graduates don't go into the field that they study for, so they don't really see the gratitude. They can't really have gratitude because they feel like it was a waste of time and money. But it, it wasn't. You didn't know anything then. You, know, you now know stuff now, right? The time was well spent because you were invested in yourself. There's no better way to invest money than in who you are and to, to become to know who you are. So, uh, <sighs> gratitude. If you have a house and you're looking at the, how the mortgage is crippling you, can you be grateful for the house? You have a car and you're looking like, I need to get out of this fucking car debt. Can you be grateful for the vehicle that lets you get to work or get to wherever you want to go? Can you look at what the debt gave to you? Because remember, without the debt, you wouldn't have the thing. Or you would have had to save up for it and be waiting for it. Like most people would have to save their whole life to, to afford a home then they wouldn't be able to get to enjoy it until they're fucking old. And then of course you compound that with the real estate market and inflation, they might never save up enough. Right? So can you be grateful for what was given to you? And you might be thinking, fuck that. You might be resistant to that. You might be saying, Larry's a sellout. He's inside of the lenders. Don't ever believe that. I'm on no one's side. Because to me, the belief systems underneath it all are the problems that we face. But until we notice that, we have to do things one step at a time. The first step is to get rid of the shame inside of you before you pay off the debt or do something illogical. So the shame part is what I'm soothing right now, what I'm healing. Start with gratitude. See what what debts do I have? Oh, PPP loan. I'm grateful for the PPP loan. Um, I'm grateful for it. I owe the IRS a little money this year too. Not much, a little bit. I don't like getting refunds. It's a long story. Well, let's just go into it. If you are getting a refund, that means the United States government, you overpaid. You should actually owe them zero if you do things right. <laughs> and they should owe you zero or very close to it. That's the whole goal. If you're getting a refund, that means you overpaid them and had them house your money for you or save your money for you. And that means you don't know anything about money because you never want anybody to hold your money for you because it's always better in your hands invested in something that's growing for you. So, to give anybody your money to hold at no interest, by the way, is dumb. And it just means you don't know what you're doing. But that's okay. I didn't know for many years. 
So um, who do I owe? The government, and I am grateful to use our national parks and our roads um, and a bunch of other things that aren't coming to mind right now. Playgrounds, sidewalks, libraries. I haven't been in a library in a while. But I'm grateful they're there. Um, I would say I'm grateful for our military, but I'm grateful for the, the people it employs. And, you know, young men and women, especially young men full of testosterone, they need a positive outlet. Wish it wasn't with guns and killing, but it is what it is. So, uh, grateful for what I owe the IRS. I'm grateful for PPP loan. That helped boost marketing. Okay, gratitude. So can you find ways to be grateful for the thing that was lent to you? And if you tell me, um, you know, you don't even remember what you bought with the credit card that you owe on, well then that's, be grateful that you had a credit card. I mean, I went years without one. Thought that was the way okay so once you get back to gratitude then the vibration of shame should leave every time you look at your debt you're like oh thank you so much for the thing that you gave me you lent me on that i now get to enjoy without having to save up the money appreciate that now what do we do with this First, get back to our natural state of abundance, and then let's look at debt. Now, I said it this a few times already. Yeah, this is going straight up. It's beautiful, though. Um, when you know how debt works, so let's get into what, how debt works. Okay. So history lesson time. Did you know that debt came before money? It's actually true. Um, there's a great book by David Graeber called debt, the first 5,000 years. And, um, 
he cataloged this and did tons of research. I'm super appreciative of him. Uh, and what he found was that debt came before money because let's imagine you're in a tribe or in a village, in a community, and you need something. And imagine there's no money yet. Or you want something. There's a loaf of bread, chicken, seed, water, whatever. So you go to the person who has that thing, and you ask for it. And they, of course, say yes. But now you owe them one. Because the lie about money, which I knew was bullshit, but thankfully... Graber did all the research, um, is that this idea of spot trading, where back in the day, you traded a chicken for a loaf of bread, but those things weren't equal, so you always had to find a way to make them equal, and that the, the, the lie is that somebody needed some, two people needed something at the exact same time. That's the lie. <sighs> Think about how, how that would work, right? Like, you go to market with other people at market at the exact same time that need something you need? No. That doesn't make sense. So you would either have to have an intermediary, which we know is like a shopkeeper, right, who has a tab or whatever, and, you know, you constantly pay your debt off somehow with other things or service or whatever, or if you were trading amongst a village of people you knew, because everybody knew each other in a community, right, or a village or tribe, then you would simply go, hey, John, can I have one of your sheep? And when you need, you know, four or five of my chickens, just come get them. Cool. No worries. So you owe John a debt, and he's your, your lender, but he's also your neighbor, right? So then... He comes to collect at some point, right? Hey, I need those chickens. Great, there you go, right? But it's never at the same time. So everybody owes everybody something all the time, right? And in a functioning community that, you know, you're taking care of the elders and the children don't have to work or whatever, uh, you'd all be doing something and be able to pay it back eventually. So, uh, because it's for the good of the community, right? Everybody grows together, works together. Um, so everybody, debt came first. You owe, it was IOUs all over the place. And so money wasn't invented until war came along, which is kind of a whole other story, but uh, I'll just briefly touch on it. Um, and war came along at the same time as religion came along, which is super fascinating. But uh, point is that... Um, I'm not, I'm not going that way. I'm going to go back down. Um, point is that when soldiers were coming through a community, they couldn't do that, right? If a soldier came in and said, hey, I need chickens to eat or I need uh, a sheep to feed the soldiers, the people knew in the community they may never see these soldiers again. So how would they get paid back? So that's why money was invented. It started with coinage. And uh, that way you could raise an army and have them move about. Because the funny thing about war is the economics of war are very fascinating. Um, obviously terrible because it's killing each other. 
but um, uh, to feed the army is usually what, because uh, you know you can't fucking raise chickens and shit, and then or cattle or whatever, and then dragging all that stuff along with you is going to slow things down and moving an army around, right? So they had to rely on these communities to be able to do that, which means they needed money. Which means the more people who had the most money could raise the bigger armies because those people could eat with not having to do anything besides prepare for war and kill and stuff. So anyway, all that said is debt came first. So back in the day, debt wasn't a big deal. It never was because it was a part of a community. But to grow into the world that we have today, money had to come along and debt had to grow along with it. Because more people meant, means you don't know everybody in the community, right? Now it's a country. Now it's bigger, bigger, and bigger. Now you have these cities. That couldn't have happened without money. All right? So, because, you know, you have a million people in one place, you're obviously not going to know everybody. You're probably not going to know everybody after a thousand people. So anyway, why do I bring all that up? To show you that debt has been around for a very long time, and the shame of it is the relatively newer part. Um, I actually don't know when the shame part came about, but it wasn't always married together, shame and debt. And so what I'm saying is, if it wasn't always that way, it doesn't have to be that way in your life, right? You don't have to be ashamed of debt. You just be like, oh, somebody lent me something, just like back in the day, I'll get them back when I can. Boom, no big deal. I'm grateful for what they gave me, and I'm grateful to be able to experience the thing that they lent me for without having to save for it. Boom. Now, when you get back to that matter-of-fact, no-shame place, now we can look at debt through the lens not of shame, but just is. There's no judgment. It just is a thing. Just like money is just a thing. It's just an energy force. It's an organizing power. That's all it does. Now, since it's controlled by all that is in the universe and energy, and just because it's an energy, um, then obviously you need to understand the energy, which is why I'm talking about it. But anyway, point being... Once you get to this matter-of-factness where it's just dead, it's not a big deal, now we can look at this thing. Now we can look at it with the lens of truth and clarity. Okay? So, once you're looking through that lens, let me give you an example of something. Um, let's say that... Uh, probably do a comparison side by side huh now let's do it this way first well no because it's going to be a side by side all right so let's say you have two sisters or i think kyle sees two sisters so i'm gonna say brothers two brothers two brothers and uh it's just called two brothers and they're like twins or whatever you know the idea is they're the same right same people even though that's not possible and the point is one Brother one, he is under the fear and shame and, and all that shit of debt. 
the negative emotion and is clouded as judgment. He wants to get out of debt as fast as possible. Let's say they both take on the same debt and they have the same income, which I obviously know is impossible. So let's say they have, both have $10,000 worth of debt and they both make 50 grand a year, all right? Now, the brother one, who is the shame brother, he wants to get rid of this thing as fast as possible, right? So he goes, and let's say it's $100 a month for 10 years. Again, I know the math, but for ease of math, right? $100 a month for 10 years is how to pay it off normally, is what the lender wants, okay? Now, uh, let's say that um, he wants to pay $200 a month to try to pay it off twice as fast. But to do that, now you say $200 a month isn't that big a deal. Let's, let's up it. Let's say it's $500 a month for $50,000. Let's, let's say they borrow both fifty dollars And let's say it's $500 a month. And he wants to up it to $1,000 a month to get rid of it. Follow me? So they both borrowed fifty dollars The lender wants $500 a month um, to pay it off in 10 years. And brother one is so ashamed of this debt that he wants to get rid of it as fast as possible by paying $1,000 a month. Let's also say that a thousand a month is a fifth of his income, or twenty-five percent of his income, because roughly he's making fifty grand. Let's call it forty-eight and four grand a month. Just again, I know taxes and all that other shit. So he wants to pay twenty-five percent of his monthly income toward this debt to get out from under it, because he's ashamed of it, and because all these fucking financial gurus are telling you debt is bad. Okay. There's two things I want to point out with this story. Let's say, well, maybe that's too much. Let's just start with this story and then I'll kind of add on to it. Okay, so he's paying a thousand a month for five years and then he's finally out of his debt. Okay, now he's got a thousand dollars a month freed up which is what financial people are trying to get at, is to get more cash flow. But that's a whole nother lie in and of itself, because if you wanted more cash flow, why wouldn't you just go toward more income? Why are you paying off debt faster? That doesn't make any sense. Because the point of this story is brother two, what he does is he sees what his younger brother's doing, but he's coming through the lens of no shame. He just knows debt's a thing, he's grateful for whatever the thing is paying for, and it's no big deal. He pays the normal $500 a month, but he takes an extra $500 and invests it. So now, what's going to happen? Let's look at it 10 years from now. 10 years from now, Brother 2's debt's paid off, but he's also got a nest egg growing for him with compounding interest working for him. So the same two net effect has happened. The debt is paid off, but now he's got growing uh, compounding interest. But then you'd say, well, Larry, well, what if brother one, after five years he paid off his debt, then he starts investing a thousand a month. He won't catch up because of the, what's called the time value of money. Meaning that money invested today is always gonna be more valuable than money invested tomorrow because of how compound interest works, okay? It's a snowball effect. And try as you might, it's gonna be difficult to catch up. 
even if he's paying a thousand a month five years from now, he might catch up if Brother Two doesn't put the extra 500 that he paid off with in. But if he does, then he will. Hopefully that's clear. Time value of money is very important to understand in our capitalistic society. But more than that is the clarity you would have. Now let's say, let's add on to the story. So understanding the time value of money is very important because basically what I'm saying is with interest on debt, let's say the interest was 5%. And on the $50,000 loan, you're going to pay $60,000 total. Again, I know the math is not right. But brother one, who paid it off faster, he's only going to pay $55,000 over five years. So he saves five grand. Brother two pays sixty grand over the fucking 10 years, but he knows the time value of money. So he's taking the extra $500 a month for that 10 years. And instead of saving five grand in interest, he's grown another 50 grand. You see what I'm saying? Who benefits more? Obviously, brother two. Now, let's say, I don't, which way do I want to go with this? Hmm. hot dog cart or well, what's the uh, what's the other thing I want to do oh that thing let's say yeah, the hot dog cart is probably more apropos at this moment so when you understand debt the other thing to understand is that debt makes money when you do it right what I mean by that is if you bought a car and now you have the ability to get to work you're going to make more money because you're going to have more time, right? Versus taking a bus or um, you know, walking, obviously. But when you're taking on debt in an investment world, the business world, and this is perfectly outlined if you ever want to read Garrett Gunderson's book. I don't agree with everything he has to say, obviously, because he's not coming at it from a spiritual perspective. But... Um, but he does make a really good point about debt in the business world. In the business world, you never want to pay off debt. Which is why, like, everybody needs fucking bailouts when shit happens. I haven't got there. You don't know why that. Um, in the business world, you never pay off debt because debt makes you money. This is the hot dog cart scenario. Hot dog cart scenario goes like this. Let's say it costs $1,000 to get a hot dog cart going, right? And if you're one guy, let's say you're making 100 bucks a day from this hot dog cart. But you see like, wow, people like hot dogs. So if I got another hot dog cart and had my buddy, you know, Bill or whatever, manage it, I'll take a small profit, he makes money, and we're all good. And I'm gonna go get a business loan for that $1,000 to buy another cart. The $1,000 loan, you would pay it, let's say, 100 bucks a month, right? But that $1,000 loan is making you $100 a day. But let's say 75% of that goes to bill for working the cart, right? So you're making 25 bucks a day 
times, let's just say two, 20 days, nobody's gonna work every day. So that's $600 a month you're making in profit. Oh, I'm sorry, plus you have to pay the, the, the loan. So that's $100 a month. So you're making $500 a month in profit. And all you had to do was take on debt and know the system in which to make money with, which is the hot dog cart. So how often would you want to do that? As much as fucking possible. You would take on a thousand hot dog carts. So debt isn't bad when you know how to make money with it. As Robert Kiyosaki talks about in Rich Dad Poor Dad, there's good debt and bad debt. I disagree, again, but the fundamentals are sound. Why do I disagree with that? I don't see any debt as bad. I don't. It's just a thing. Now, but when you know, when, you, when debt is just a thing, you know how to make money with it. Right, which is my whole point. But let's say, then this is the, this is my master class on debt. This is, everything you just heard is basic economics. Like people who understand money, understand everything I just said. But now I'm gonna take it to another fucking level. Because now, this is where financial shaman shit shines through. Ready? Again, two brothers. Identical. Same scenario. Let's say instead of $50,000 for you don't know what it's for, let's say they both borrow $250,000 for each get a house and a car. Okay. Right, this is the, the basic American trappings of life. Now, let's say, again, for ease of math, you can pay all this $250 off in 20 years at, what would that be? Two grand, roughly? Let's just say two grand a month. Two grand a month, even though I know the math doesn't work out because you're missing an extra two, 10,000. Um, I mean, we could say 2,500 a month, it doesn't matter. Let's just say that, this is, this is more realistic. We're gonna pay $250,000. Oh wait, no, that's not right. My math is off. Two grand, 20 years, 240 payments. Oh yeah, okay. So it'd be a thousand a month <laughs> to be right under. Okay, let's just do it that way. So let's say it's uh, 20 years to pay off 250 grand, 240 at a thousand a month. Again, I know there's no interest in that loan and all that shit. It's just for fucking hypothetical. So, um, so, and you get the house and the car, right? And they're like identical cars and all that shit. Houses, same. So, Brother one, who's coming from shame and ignorance, which is basically a lot of people, and they're hearing all these financial geniuses say, when they get out of debt, their life will be happy. They'll be blissful. They'll be free. Ah, they'll be able to breathe again. They put debt in the happiness equation, what I call the happiness equation, which is once this thing happens, then I'll be happy, which is always a lie. So 
Now, brother one, let's call him Bob, he hears all this stuff, wants to be happy, is ashamed of his debt, wants to get rid of it as fast as possible so he can be debt free. Now, what's he gonna do? Instead of a thousand a month, he's gonna pay 2,000 a month. Remember, their salaries are exactly the same. He's gonna struggle and strive to get himself out. Let's say he gets out in 10 years, okay? Halfway. And of course, you know, he didn't save anything for retirement like we talked about, he didn't save, he didn't put any money aside to invest. He just busted his ass for a decade to get out from under his debt, right? Brother two understands that's just the thing. He's grateful for the house, grateful for the car. He focuses on what? Not investing, well, kind of, investing in himself. He focuses on a purpose because money is just a to accomplish a purpose in life. We are not here to fucking make money or get out of debt. That's dumb. We are here on a mission. There is each of us has a dharma, right? Or a calling, a purpose. There is something inside of you you came here to do. You didn't just come here to play a fucking money game. So, Brother two, immediately instead of hustling to get out from debt, immediately starts searching for a purpose, a calling, an inner guidance, something he's put on this earth to do, his magic, right? He finds it. Let's say it takes him five years. Let's say it takes him another five years to become really, really good at it, whatever it is quits his job, not that you have to, just an example, quits his job, he becomes a master of what he's put on this earth to do in a very rarely short period of time. You can master anything in five years, 10,000 hours is all it takes. But since you love this thing, since it's your calling, it's the reason why you're here, you usually master it faster because you wake up and think about it. Everything is about it. You do everything about it. Of course, you might take time for yourself and rest and meditate and go on vacation. But you love what you do. You love it. It's impossible to get burnt out on what you love. It might change. It might flex. And I've gone through that before. Point is, he finds a purpose. He masters that purpose. Guess what? People now pay him very, very good money because of whatever purpose it is. Millions even. Let's just say four to five times his normal income. So now he's making 200 grand a year, 250 a year. Because everyone on this planet, and no one can deny me this, loves to see a master of their craft. Don't care if it's art, dance, hell, cooking, baking bread, whatever. 
Everyone loves to see a master at work. So now he's making giant money 10 years from now. Five times what his brother's making. Sure, he still has the debt. He's paying a thousand a month, but he could pay it off all like that. He could pay it off. Let's say it takes him, takes him, takes him all 20 years. Who cares? He's making all that money, right? He has his purpose in life. He could pay it off or he could not because it's just debt. Twenty years comes by where he's paid everything off. He's a multimillionaire. Twenty years comes by for the brother. Hell, ten years after he's paid everything off. Guess what? Brother one, Bob. The roof needs work. The car. It's 10 years old. He needs a new one. Good old debt comes right back. You can't escape it. Why would you want to? It's just people lending you to do shit that you can do right now without having to save the money. Hope I made my point. 20 years comes by. Brother one's still struggling with debt because you still need money and he's not saving anything. He's behind the eight ball on retirement. And he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing in life. He's playing the money game, hustling around to make money, to pay off debt. Brother two knows why he's here and he's mastered it. I think I've made my point. Get rid of the shame of debt so you can see it for what it is. Remember, you're not here to make money. Money is to serve a purpose. It's a tool. It's an energy. And it loves masters. It loves people going after their purpose. It loves people living their dharma, living their reason for being here. No matter what your reason for being here is, I appreciate that you listen to mine. I love you. We are two different boulders on the same mountain, different clouds in the same sky. Good journey, my friends.